Welcome to the Eating Habits for Life podcast. I'm Kate Johnston, and I'm an eating habit and weight loss coach for career women. I'll help you become the person who no longer has bad eating habits and loses the weight she really wants to in a way that lasts. Let's start. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. So, Last Friday, I spoke at a worldwide habit coaching summit, and I am not a public speaker by any means, um, but it went really well, and there were lots of super brilliant minds, and my talk was on why willpower fails to change eating habits, and even though that talk was geared towards other habit coaches and other um, just health coaches and trainers and other people in the industry, I wanted to sort of bring the talk to you with a different twist so that it is something that can help you that's geared more towards you. So how many of you wish that you had more willpower? I'm guessing you're probably nodding your head yes, whether that be you feel that you have a complete lack of willpower or you feel like you'd be more likely to reach certain goals if you just had more. But what if you didn't need more willpower to eat healthier, exercise more, get better sleep, all the things? Sounds lovely, right? So It's one thing to not need to rely on willpower and have other tools at your disposal, but importantly, why wouldn't you want to rely on willpower to change behaviors or habits? Because it takes a lot of mental energy. Sometimes, especially on a weekday afternoon, that mental energy is at an all-time low, right? I'm talking more specifically to you, my career women. So when it comes to individual behaviors or eating behaviors, willpower can be enough sometimes, more so maybe when it's on the earlier part of the day when you haven't had to make as many decisions yet, causing that decision fatigue, which if you don't know what that is or haven't really had that term before, the more decisions you make throughout the day, the more fatigued you get. It requires a heck of a lot of mental energy, and then you just don't want to make decisions. So you start just sort of doing the easiest thing possible that is sort of more um, in the moment and gives you that instant gratification rather than making decisions that are more future focused or more future forward. So Again, with an individual behavior, willpower can be enough sometimes, but when it comes to changing eating habits, willpower alone isn't quite enough. That's because of the automaticity of habits having to do with the strength of the neural pathways. So the neural pathways, those are just communication loops that are formed with neurons, which are just nerve cells, and also neurotransmitters, which are hormones, and then electrical charges and a few other little microscopic and very sciencey things, right? So your brain loves forming neural pathways or habits because your brain loves to conserve energy. And building these neural pathways, building habits is a great way to do so. So it's kind of like building a highway rather than having a whole bunch of back roads because a highway 
you can go at a faster speed, you can get to places more efficiently. So that's kind of how these neural pathways are and how you can think of them. So the human brain has been doing this for a very long time. So it's an expert at making habits. It's an expert at conserving energy. So these tiny pathways are incredibly powerful. So willpower alone will not be enough to disrupt them. But an individual behavior that has not yet become a habit, meaning those neural pathways haven't developed and strengthened yet, is a little bit easier to change with just willpower. So today's podcast episode is about more so changing the eating habits without relying on willpower, but behaviors are, of course, a crucial part of habits. So first, I want to define what willpower is. With all of the standard definitions that I found, I condensed the definition into willpower is mental effort used to resist an urge, an urge to do something for short-term gratification. So if you were to kind of sum it up into one word, willpower essentially is self-control. So for example, using mental effort or self-control to resist the urge to eat the pizza that your boss brought in for your entire office, right? When you already brought a salad to work. That's one behavior that's not necessarily a habit yet, right? So that might be easier to resist that urge. Resisting the urge to eat the candy bar that you always eat at noon every day for lunch in your office that's not going to be so easy, right? That's because eating that candy bar is probably a habit. It's a behavior that has been done over and over in the same time and place, meaning the same context. So that's all a habit is. So as most, if not all of you probably know, when you are trying to break an eating habit or any habit, you are essentially trying to decrease the frequency of the eating behavior and you really need to break down or weaken the behavior to make it less likely to do automatically. And of course, to form a healthier eating behavior and then make that healthier eating behavior a habit, you're trying to strengthen the behavior and increase the frequency as well as do the behavior at the same time, place, or in the same circumstance or situation so that those neural pathways, the communication between the nerve cells start building and becoming faster. I know that was kind of a lot. So to, to back that up again, to form a healthier eating behavior that then turns into a habit, you're trying to make it more likely that you'll do that behavior over and over and over again, right? Increasing the frequency of that specific eating behavior as well as trying to do it in the same time, place, or circumstance, because when you do it in the same time, place, or circumstance, meaning the same context on a frequent basis, it's going to be more likely for those neural pathways to form and for that to actually become a habit. Now, there are a lot of different things that make an eating behavior occur. You must have some sort of external trigger, meaning something outside of you, or an internal trigger that could be hunger, right? So that could be a, a sensation or a feeling within you. 
And then you have a little teeny tiny thought that occurs in your brain when you experience that trigger or prompt or cue. And then that little teeny tiny thought causes a feeling or emotion within your body. And that can actually be a craving. So a craving or an urge is just a feeling or an emotion. It's something that you feel inside of your body. And then that feeling then causes you to do the behavior. And a behavior is either an action, an inaction, or a reaction, okay? So when this behavior becomes a habit, this whole process just occurs very, very, very quickly. So if you want more on that whole behavior sequence, um, I recently did a three-part series on the podcast with the trigger um, and then the behavior itself and then the reward. So those are the three main parts of this whole sort of behavior sequence without some of those little steps that occur in between that add a little bit of complexity to it. So if you want to understand a little bit more about what makes a behavior actually happen, which really can help you understand why you have certain eating behaviors, then go back and listen to those episodes. I believe it's episode number 30, 31, and 32. All right, so when I talk about trigger, again, I just mean something that sort of cues or prompts you. So for eating, that may be the smell of pizza, right? Or it may be seeing donuts in the break room at work. So you may smell the pizza and then have a thought like, hmm, I really want pizza. That might then create that feeling of a craving within your body. And then that may then sort of fuel you to go and pick up a slice of pizza and eat the pizza, right? So if you're trying to use willpower alone to try to resist that craving or urge, that's really just trying to change one component of that whole entire sequence. Remember that trigger, that thought about the trigger, the feeling that you then experience in your body, and then the behavior or the, which is either an action, reaction, or inaction. And so you're using willpower to just try to resist that craving or urge, right? And Or you can use that willpower alone to try to change the action or change the inaction, basically to change the behavior itself. So because you're not changing that whole sequence of events from the start, or because you're not changing multiple parts of that sequence of events, you're going to have a much more difficult time. So in the case of an eating habit, you're trying to use mental energy, a lot of mental energy to overcome a very strong sequence of events, that really strong neural pathway, right? So much so that fatigue will typically set in. And when you're using your mental energy for lots of other tasks for the day, it's going to be really easy to give in once you're fatigued, right? You'll just get exhausted and be more likely to give up, either to give in to instant gratification, right? That kind of um, instant pleasure, or even give up your entire longer term goal, Whenever something is difficult, it's so much easier to give up, right? 
Sometimes that's because you feel like you're failing. And sometimes it's just because when something is difficult for a long period of time, it's really uncomfortable and it's tough for humans to do uncomfortable things, especially for long enough time required to get the desired results, really a long enough time to actually break a habit, right? So when you're just trying to use willpower, mental effort, to resist that urge or that feeling in your body, or you're trying to just use willpower to change the behavior alone, it's like swimming against an ocean current. And especially when you're trying to use that mental effort or energy, that willpower, to do an action that is very different from what you've been used to doing. So that's like really swimming against the ocean current. And that's why when I work with clients, we do small changes that are going to be much easier for your brain to actually do so that you don't have to use all this willpower and mental energy and effort to do these small changes, right? So what do you do instead of using all this mental effort? So making some small changes certainly is one of them, but there are several things in addition that you can do. And one of the easiest things to start with is to decrease the triggers as much as possible to really just set yourself up for success. And again, you can go back to that um, part one of that three-part series, I really get into the triggers here. So that's going to be super helpful. And I also give some examples of um, how to actually do this as well. So looking at what you can control more easily right now is really going to help with those eating habits. It's going to make it so that you have as much assistance as possible and can change as many of the parts of that whole behavior sequence as possible. Because remember that sequence of events If you are changing multiple parts of that, then you're going to be much more likely to actually change the eating habit as a whole, right? So a simple way to control the environment around you and set yourself up for success would be to decrease the triggers as much as you possibly can if you want to decrease certain eating behaviors or habits. So those triggers can be any of the things outside of you, right? So anything that you see or smell. And a lot of the internal triggers are things that require a little bit more work. And so that's just another thing that if we are working together on a coach-client relationship, that's something that we work on as well if emotions are coming up for you as far as driving the actions of eating. So speaking of emotional eating, I do have a free workshop coming up on Thursday, January 26th. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern time and it's via Zoom. So we are going to be talking about ending the emotional eating cycle. So if you can, join us. If you can't join us, reserve your seat anyway because if you do reserve your seat, I will send you the replay the morning after. There are limited seats available, but I did account for a few extra because I know that there are typically people that know that they can't attend or can't attend last minute. And so 
I want to still be able to send them the replay. So sign up. That's at katemjohnston.com forward slash workshop. You can find the link on the episode page as well. So with the example of the donuts in the break room, if you put them out of sight or you walk a different route so that you don't have to walk by the break room multiple times a day and see them out of the corner of your eye, you'll be less likely to be triggered by that. Also, if you make the behavior more difficult to do, which I talk about in part two of that three-part series, you won't have to use that mental energy quite as much. So this could look like putting the donuts up on top of the refrigerator in the break room. So that just makes it a little bit more difficult to go and actually grab the donut and eat it, right? You'd have to stand on your tippy toes, maybe pull a chair over to actually get the donuts. And trust me, your colleagues are probably not going to be upset if you do that. More than likely, they're going to be grateful for you because even though they want the donuts, they probably don't really want the donuts, right? So oftentimes when you decrease the trigger, you'll also notice that you're also making it harder to do the eating behavior itself, right? So Again, that example of the donuts in the break room, when you put them on top of the refrigerator, you're making them less visible and you're making the behavior of grabbing the donut more difficult to do, right? So decreasing that trigger and making the eating behavior more difficult to do could also look like making it a habit of making a detour to avoid walking by that break room altogether, right? Of course, we still know that it's there, but it just puts a little bit of a pause so that it gives you that moment to make a more deliberate decision rather than that more automatic, habitual reaction. So just making the trigger less obvious or the behavior itself a little more difficult to do helps to disrupt and weaken that whole behavior sequence so that it doesn't just happen so quickly anymore. And when you start to weaken that sequence, the frequency of doing the behavior decreases, which starts chipping away at those neural pathways that were involved in that habit in the first place. Also, when you control your environment as much as possible, you're not constantly in the situation where you are trying to resist that urge or craving, meaning rely on willpower to not do the action of reaching out for the donuts and eating them, right? Because you and I both know you can try and just cut that donut in half and tell yourself you're only going to eat half and that you're going to use willpower to resist that second half. But how many of you find yourself going back for that second half still? I was certainly guilty of this in the past. And just a side note, you're asking your brain to make the decision twice in a situation like this, to resist the second half of that donut the first time and the second time. And because resisting requires so much mental effort, so much willpower, you're not doing yourself any favors if you only take half of it, but then you leave the donuts on the break room table in an easy to see and easy to reach location. So whether you want to not eat any of the donuts or only eat half a donuts, you have to set yourself up for success as much as you can by controlling what you can control right then and there. 
Now, real briefly, if you're trying to increase the consumption of a specific food, like a healthy food, you want to do the reverse, right? You want to create or increase a trigger that can really help to serve as a reminder to do this healthier eating behavior, right? And you also want to try to make the behavior easy to do. Remember, the human brain loves to conserve energy. So if something is obvious and easy, especially at the end of a long, tiresome day, your brain is going to be more likely to just do it. It doesn't have to use as much energy. So of course, becoming aware of the thoughts and feelings that I also talked about within that behavior sequence is going to be key as well. But the things that I talked about in this episode are things that you can kind of start doing now on your own. And then you can work on some of the other things if you wanted to work together. And essentially, when you work on the other things, the thoughts and the feelings, that helps you to become the person who easily does the behaviors needed to get the results. So then when triggers do come up, it's so much easier for you to not react to those triggers. They don't even bother you. So that's where the true transformation really occurs. And then who you are is in alignment with what you do as far as your actions or your reactions or inactions. It's easy to do the things that you need to do to keep getting your results. You develop new habits and you're no longer swimming against that current any longer. All right, so thanks so much for listening to this podcast episode. Again, I sort of tried to gear that talk that I did last Friday a little bit more towards you so that it can benefit you. So if you want to end the emotional eating cycle, come to the free online workshop on Thursday, January 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's via Zoom. So when you sign up, if there's seats available still, then you will be sent an email with the link to the Zoom workshop. And then on the day of, all you need to do is just click on that link in the email and that'll bring you into the workshop. Your audio and your video will be off so you don't have to worry about that. I do recommend bringing a notepad if you can, if you can participate safely, you're not driving home or anything like that because this workshop is going to be somewhat interactive. But again, your audio and video will be off. All right, take care and I'll talk with you soon. Hey, if you want to stop wasting time not getting the eating habit or weight loss results you want, then set up a free consult with me. I'll find out where you're struggling, where you really want to be, and the best way to get you there. Think of it like taking the highway using GPS rather than staying lost on back roads with no GPS or map. Just go to katemjohnston.com and you'll see where you can request a free consult right on the homepage.